other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. A funny thing happened because this year marks the 20th anniversary of the war in Iraq. And I think a lot of people, no matter where you fell on the Iraq war debate and whether you were Republican, a Democrat or independent, if you look at a lot of the objections that were raised to the war in Iraq 20 years ago, it looks like a lot of those objections were right on the money. And I think even a lot of the people that supported the war in Iraq were a little bit regretful as things unfolded and they weren't exactly what the Bush administration guaranteed they'd be. Now, here we are now with the world watching a war in Eastern Europe, and yet so many of the voices, particularly on the left, that were critical of the war in Iraq have not at all been critical of escalating the crisis in Ukraine. Instead, it seems like some of the anti-war voices that you hear most happen to be on the right. Well, someone who I have admired for literally decades has been very, very consistent in terms of pursuing the cause of peace for the last two decades and probably a long time before that. A former Democratic congressman from Ohio, the former mayor of Cleveland, and a two-time candidate for president of the United States. He's also the author of the book, The Division of Light and Power, the one and only Dennis Kucinich. Congressman, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. It's a real treat. Frank, thank you very much. I I, I appreciated the invitation, and I look forward to our discussion. Uh, Let me, before we get into what's happening in Ukraine and Eastern Europe with the Nord Stream pipeline, let me anticipate one of the angry questions that uh, callers are going to call in about as soon as we hang up. And that's the fact that uh, you were on the Fox News channel with uh, Tucker Carlson recently. A lot of people uh, view Tucker, especially on the left, as a the devil, that he is someone to be shunned, that he's doctored this January 6th footage, that he's uh, been uh, manipulative in terms of his coverage of political events, and that nobody should go on his show for a serious discussion of political issues. And a lot of folks, especially on the left, are going to say, how can you take Dennis Kucinich seriously if he would go on Tucker Carlson's show? What do you say? I'm sure you've heard those objections far more than I have. What do you say to those that uh, that might take issue with you going on a show like Tucker Carlson? Well, you know, let's uh, first of all, Frank, uh, realize that I'm available uh, to go on your show, and I thought it would be very important to do so. I'm available to go on uh, NBC, ABC, uh, uh, TV, CBS, CNN, MSNBC. None of them have called me. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been on Substack now for uh, several weeks, uh, Dennis Kucinich's Substack uh, dot com, and I've written extensively about what's uh, uh, what's going on in Ukraine and with respect to the Nord Stream uh, pipeline bombing, and you know my work's getting widely circulated. Uh, anybody in the media could have called me and asked me uh, to speak about it. No one else did. Tucker Carlson did. Now, I'm, you know, to me, it's about uh, the audience, and it's a very big audience, 
uh, that uh, deserves to hear the point of view that I'm offering and the fact that uh, he offered uh, uh, that opportunity uh, to me was very significant and I'm appreciative of it and uh, say, you know, what anyone will about Tucker Carlson. Uh, he's not afraid to get into issues that are controversial. Mm. And, well, I don't have to agree with him on, on, on everything. Uh, he did invite me and I accepted I'm glad you did, because uh, I think it's good for uh, people to hear someone of your experience who's sort of been um, in the places that you've been, both legislatively and in terms of world experience. Now, let's talk about the Ukraine situation before we drill down on the Nord Stream pipeline issue and the latest revelations that we've learned about there. The the sort of the, the war is now a year old and the conventional wisdom that you hear on uh, conservative networks, liberal networks, talk radio, newspapers is that uh, Vladimir Putin is uh, really ambitious, very bloodthirsty. Sometimes he's compared to the Russian czars. Sometimes he's compared to Hitler. And the conventional wisdom is he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union and he will devour any country that stands in his way. And this was an unprovoked invasion that all the world's democracies need to stand up to. Why is that premise flawed? Well, well, first of all, I don't, yeah, I don't support uh, Russia uh, going into any other country other than Russia. Uh, but the accounts of the um, of of this current uh, situation in Ukraine are generally uh, vastly lacking in historical facts because it is indisputable that our own government, the United States, uh, for many reasons. Uh, displaced an elected Ukrainian president in 2014 and and installed a, a regime that was uh, more favorable to the interests of the United States, uh, NATO, and the West. Uh, that's, a, that's a fact. So you could almost say, as uh, Jeffrey Sachs has pointed out, that uh, the war goes back to 2014. The, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, you know, Ukraine is being used as a pawn here. Now, I represented a large Ukrainian community when mm-hmm. I was in Congress, and I and I, uh, my heart is, is is grieves for the losses that have taken place in Ukraine. The people are very brave; uh, they've they've stood up to tremendous pressure. But Frank, this didn't need to happen. You know, there were agreements that were spurned by the U.S. and the West that could have prevented this from happening. You know, mainly to just say, look, NATO is not going to camp uh, along the Russian border. Uh, But that's not what, you know, that uh, those agreements didn't happen. And any agreements subsequent that would have ended the war uh, haven't happened either. And the U.S. has been instrumental in blocking them. Uh, There's a grand global strategy here, which is and has been to weaken Russia sufficiently uh, to enable the U.S. to pursue a grander agenda of pivoting to China and maintain a, a global uh, economic and, and military uh, hegemony, which, frankly, as someone who represented the city of Cleveland in the United States Congress for 16 years, I find to be uh, against the interests of the American people and uh, and puts us on the threshold of World War III. Mm. Now, Frank, you know, you mentioned in your opening uh, in, in your opening remarks about Iraq. 
I, I want your, your listeners to understand that when the drums were being beat for a war against Iraq, I led the effort in the United States Congress saying there is no proof that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, that Iraq has the intention or capability of attacking the United States. I give a detailed analysis to members of Congress in October of, uh, of 2002 before the, before the vote on the war. We voted to go to war anyway. But I can tell you that everything that I said back then turned out to be true. 20 right. years later, and a million you know, extra deaths in Iraqi that were not necessary, and, and five, perhaps as much as $5 trillion in money wasted on the Iraq war, and, 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 and about 4,800 American uh, men and women killed uh, who were serving our country. Uh, no, I remember it vividly. And then when a lot of the uh, miscalculations or outright lies by the Bush administration came to pass, uh, you then led the effort for the impeachment of Bush and, uh, and Cheney. I think if you were to take a vote on that these days, the only person more enthusiastic about that than you might be Donald Trump. But uh, going back to the Ukraine uh, situation, there was some really explosive reporting by uh, Seymour Hersh and you've written extensively about this in your substack and spoken about this as well, that the Nord Stream pipeline might not have been blown up by the Russians, Nord Stream 2, which uh, obviously represented a dramatic escalation in the war and a major, major energy crisis for Eastern Europe. But it might have been blown up with the assistance of the United States or at least operatives backed by the United States. Explain to folks where you come down on this and why this is so significant as we look at this Russia-Ukraine conflict? Well, you know, what, what most people haven't had a chance to consider, because the media in the West hasn't bothered to uh, explore it, is that uh, when, when Nord Stream was blown up, uh, that, there were, uh, that there were discussions going on in the White House for, for almost a year. Uh, about Nord Stream and what to do about it and how to uh, how to end it. Uh, President Biden himself, in a news conference on February 7th of 2002, uh, you know, promised uh, uh, through the media that he would end the pipeline, uh, quote, if there was a Russian invasion, unquote. But the truth of the matter is they were planning that before Russia invaded, uh, planning the destruction of the pipeline. And, you know, it wasn't a retaliatory, so it was not a retaliatory act for Russia's invasion. I, I called it in my Substack post a market heist mm. because um, this destruction of Nord Stream 1 and 2 were contemplated uh, for years as, as Washington watched Russia's rise as an energy provider to Europe and uh, to certain energy interests in the United States. They saw that as highly negative, adverse to uh, uh, the global ambitions of some people who, you know, are in the neoconservative camp uh, and want to see the U.S. as the number one geopolitical power and control of energy is certainly one way to uh, help do that. But but Biden on February 7, 2022, uh, you know, if Russia invades, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll bring an end to it. I promise you will be able to do it. And, of course, uh, September 26, 2022, Nord Stream was was blown up. But but, you know, when you look at Seymour Hersh's report, which I think is one of the most important pieces of journalism that we've seen in years. Absolutely. And it is investigative journalism. Uh, you know, he points out that 
top uh, White House officials were conspiring to destroy Nord Stream, uh, you know, as early as a year before the Russian invasion. Uh, And so, you know, look, Frank, I was chairman of a congressional investigative subcommittee. You know, I didn't fall off a Christmas tree. (laughs) I understand sometimes governments lie and sometimes our government lies. And, you know, I don't like it. I want to believe in America at every step. But, you know, I come from Cleveland, Ohio, and, you know, like a lot of people in the Midwest, you know, you have to show me what you see is what you get. And if, if, if I see something that, that looks sketchy, suspicious, you know, I have, a, I have an obligation to ask questions, and even if, even if and especially if it's our own government. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very concerned that our policies with respect to Russia are setting us uh, on, a, on a wide path of a wider war, uh, we have sacrificed the Ukrainian people uh, for our ambitions to uh, try to crush Russia economically and militarily. And then we're that's just a warm up for China. And frankly, I will tell you, uh, I'm not into megalomania. Uh, I love our country. I want our country to prosper. But war is the opposite of prosperity. And if we uh, if we we cannot win a conventional war fighting both Russia and China. And if we think a nuclear war, that's insane uh, because everybody loses. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is to focus on the facts, demand an investigation, get to the bottom of what's happening, and to stop these individuals who feel that they have unbridled power to be able to direct our military resources in any way they well please without even Congress knowing what's going on. Amen. Uh, Talking with uh, former Congressman Dennis Kucinich, two-time Democratic candidate for for president. Congressman, one of the things that I'm wondering if it's been frustrating to you is where the progressive wing of the Democratic Party has been on the Ukraine-Russia war. Uh, There was an article written about you recently, and I thought it was really just a clever headline, asking the question, is Dennis Kucinich the last Democrat for peace? And a lot of the voices that you would expect to be speaking up in opposition to escalating America's involvement in this Ukraine war, folks like Bernie Sanders, folks like uh, the squad, they have gone along with all of President Biden's requests for increased military aid, and they don't seem to be doing much to bring about a peaceful end to this conflict. As a longtime Democrat, progressive Democrat, are you frustrated with the anti-war voices on the left? Have those voices been somewhat muted? Of course they've been muted. Uh, You have a situation where uh, the Democratic leadership feels its obligation is to line up behind the a Democratic White House. And actually, I think the best, you know, our congressional constitutional responsibility is to uh, express uh, the Congress as a co-equal branch of government, not as a footstool for an executive. That's not the way the Constitution works. Congress is a co-equal branch of government. Under Article 1, Section 8, only Congress has the ability to declare war. And the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline was an act of war. And, uh, and if Seymour Hersh's article is true, and if uh, this was planned even before the Russian invasion, that is the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline, uh, and there's plenty of reason to point to there's only a few governments who could have done this. Russia uh, was one of them, the U.S. the other. Uh, it is, it, you know, inconceivable 
that uh, that Russia would cut itself off from a lucrative market and blow up a pipeline. It cost them billions to build. Uh, there's no evidence that they did. As a matter of fact, uh, even U.S. intelligence in a uh, almost comically veiled uh, article in the New York Times yesterday uh, uh, claimed that uh, there's no evidence that Russia was involved. This is U.S. anonymous, I might say. U.S. intelligence says Russia wasn't involved, but pro this is in the Times, pro-Ukrainian or pro-Ukrainian, a pro-Ukrainian group. And so, you know, uh, that that doesn't, you know, if the, if the Nord Stream sabotage is now being laid, laid by U.S. intelligence to a pro-Ukrainian group, uh, that does not preclude that the group consisted of top U.S. officials. Right. After all, after all, who's been more pro-Ukrainian than this White House? Right, right. Uh, so, right. So it, back when you were running for president in 2004, when people were trying to figure out which way is up uh, with respect to the Iraq war, you came out with a pretty detailed plan to get the U.N. into Iraq and get the U.S. out. Now, if uh, President Biden were to seek your counsel on this, what would you like to see the United States do going forward with all the mistakes that have been made? Everything that's done is done. Here we are in 2023 going forward. What should the U.S. role be in terms of this conflict? Well, you know, Frank, first of all, uh, the U.S., uh, the White House would not see what they have been doing as as a mistake. Uh, this is ideologically driven. And anytime you have uh, political decisions that are based on, on ideology, you're always going to run into trouble. But, but you know, they should have gone back to uh, the Minsk Agreement, which was a way of assuring uh, uh, Russia's territorial integrity and Ukrainian sovereignty. That agreement's already out there, but they basically, uh, German Chancellor, um, uh, the former German Chancellor uh, Angela Merkel, had uh, said, look, this whole thing was just a game so that we could buy time to advance on, have NATO advance uh, against Russia. Uh, Look, there's no trust right now. So you have to rebuild trust. Uh, You don't rebuild trust by continuing the war. It has to be a ceasefire. It has to be pretty quick. Uh, You're not going to, you cannot permit uh, the uh, Russian-speaking Ukraine to live in eastern Ukraine in the area known as uh, uh, the Donbass. You cannot permit them to be vulnerable. And that area, uh, we could have settled this before by, by making it a, a fairly non-aligned area, uh, but we've lost that chance because the U.S. was subsidizing Ukrainian attacks on the eastern Donbass, about 14,000 uh, Russian-speaking people who lived in Ukraine were, were, were killed. And Russia, uh, uh, by virtue of the Russian Constitution, had to come in and protect uh, those people. There's not going to be a uh, ceding uh, by Russia of Crimea, nor of the Donbass. And I think that we could, we could pretty much come up with an agreement uh, to stop uh, uh, the Russian advance there to restore Ukraine's position. Ukraine should should uh, be uh, free of constraints of either east or west. Uh, You know, Ukraine uh, had a lot of prosperity. They were the breadbasket of the world in many ways. Uh, But we have – the U.S. has been responsible for helping to sacrifice a generation of young Ukrainian Mm. men and women to this this war. And, uh, you know, we have to see what our nation does in this regard. This isn't just one way. 
I'm not in favor of anything Russia does here, but I can tell you that uh, my first obligation as a as a congressman when I was in Congress uh, was to the people of the United States of America. I pledge allegiance to the American flag and do so proudly. And I don't want to see our our nation led down the pike by by people who are are uh, neoconservatives who have this idea of of uh, of an American imperium globally. That is crazy. And why don't we just start taking care of things here at home? Mm. We got people begging begging for for food on on uh, at freeway exits. Uh, people are struggling to survive in this uh, highly inflationary economy, which in some ways was driven by the energy shortage, rising food prices. We've got problems here in America. Our, our cities are being overrun by crime, and we're screwing around all over the world, stirring up battles. Are you? I mean, what's that about? Well, you know, to when, me, when, I don't when, buy any of it. When you talk about that, and I think that resonates with a lot of listeners on the left and on the right, oh, why are we uh, messing around in Eastern Europe and spending $100 billion there when there are real crises here in the United States? I don't think anywhere is that uh, problem more pronounced and that dichotomy of uh, priorities in Washington more pronounced than looking at what happened in East Palestine. Now, we still get some calls from uh, residents in East Palestine, but uh, that's your home state, Ohio. From where you're standing, uh, I mean, I know you alluded to the East Palestine situation in your remarks at the Lincoln Memorial Rally against the uh, the war machine the other day. But from where you're standing, does the failure to handle the East Palestine train derailment properly, does that underscore the need to kind of focus on issues here at home more than trying to help uh, what's what's a very serious situation in Ukraine? Okay, let's let's look at it this way. East Palestine has this train wreck which spews all these chemicals, okay, throughout that area in Ohio. It's about an hour and 20 minutes from Cleveland, by the way, where I live, and, and into Pennsylvania as well. Uh, the, the, the results of the wreck uh, spewed this, these chemicals and, and the gases. So what does the president do? Uh, people are rushing to East Palestine trying to help, and the president goes to to Kiev and gives, you know, hundreds of millions more to the Ukrainian government. I mean, come on, you know, what's our priorities? We 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 don't we can't meet the needs of the American people. We have we have you know we're we're debating right now if if we can protect uh, uh, Social Security and whether. Uh, Medicare costs are going to be held in, in check by the government, or if there's going to be an increase in taxes as a result of rising costs. And, and you know, this is the old guns and butter debate. You know, we think we can go around the world looking for dragons to slay. Well, we've got the dragons of poverty, uh, the dragons of, of low income, the dragons of crime, uh, you know, the, the, the dragons of, industri- of deindustrialization that are still with us. We have to deal with that. We're acting like uh, uh, like we don't have any problems at all. We can just tell everybody else how to live. Right. You know, all of us have been in neighborhoods where there's always some you know busybody that says uh, wants to run everybody else's life, and the world doesn't work that way. The United States has to has to uh, trim its sails a little bit uh, and quit trying to uh, stick our nose in everybody else's business. You know, we have over 800 bases around the world. We have a couple hundred bases in the general area of uh, geographical area, China. Uh, we're putting increased pressure on China. Look, 
I oppose China trade, Frank. I, I, there, were, there, were, uh, there were at least five lobbyists for every member of Congress uh, during the China trade uh, debate. And I opposed it. I had lobbyists for uh, Boeing come into my office. And I, I knew that they were going to give China the prototypes mm-hmm. for the latest aircraft in, in the uh, China trade deal. You know, and, and President Biden, vote, when he was in, in Senate, he voted for that agreement. I knew it was wrong. You know, you do, all, all your listeners right now, you think, well, the people are in there. They must know what they're doing. Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe they make the wrong decisions. Maybe they're not any more informed than, you know, anyone else. And maybe sometimes they have uh, 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 things in their mind that really aren't about the interests of people in, you know, like in a working class neighborhood that I live in in Cleveland. So what are you going to do with respect to 2024? Are you hoping to uh, support a primary challenge to uh, to President Biden? Any chance that you might run yourself one one more time? What's your inclination at this point? Well, you know, I'm not really I'm not into group think this party stuff is starting to wear thin. Mm. You know, in some ways, there hasn't been much of a difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And I say this having been in politics over 50 years, Uh, you know, the. Uh, so would I support a challenger in a primary if someone comes forward that uh, uh, that will uh, challenge this uh, consensus that is taking us on the path to World War III? Of course. Uh, do I preclude uh, entering as an independent at some point? I don't I don't preclude that. But I'd like to see someone uh, be successful in the primary to take America in a, in a different direction, uh, because right now we are we are on the course. Of World War Three, there's just no question about it. We cannot pretend that we're going to dictate to China uh, over Taiwan. We cannot pretend that we're going to uh, uh, displace the Russian government or the Chinese government. Uh, we've already pushed those countries into an alliance against us. We're increasing, uh, increasingly losing allies around the world with the approach we're taking. Uh, you know, I'm I'm all in favor of a strong America. I'm all in favor of making sure that we can defend ourselves. But these guys in the White House don't seem to know the difference between offense and defense. Mm. And Frank, you know, I was a third string quarterback and I'm not a very good <laughs> football team, but I knew the difference between offense and defense. Uh, you know, you are whenever we've uh, spoken over the years, we always tend to speak about such weighty issues. And I always picture you as being very cerebral and uh, taking on the big thoughts, the big battles, the big fights. I am just curious, uh, as we end, and I'll let you get to bed, what do you do for fun? What does Dennis Kucinich do on a Friday night with his wife when you're just trying to kick back, relax, and chill out? What do you do for fun? Who says I'm not having fun right now? <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, you know, I mean, my wife and I will go for, you know, long walks and hikes, and, uh, you, you know, we love to tour, and we love to meet our friends around the country. And, you know, there's a lot of things we, we do for fun. I love to read. I love to go to theater. Uh, you know, we're, we're in New York every once in a while. I love New York. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I have a very active life, and it seems to be getting more active uh, uh, as I go along. So I appreciate so much a chance to be on your show, Frank. And if, you, uh, if your uh, listeners get a chance... Uh, go to my uh, Substack page, uh, you know, com, and you can see the articles that you've referenced, Frank. And I'm going to be writing in the next uh, few weeks uh, more about 
uh, Ukraine, uh, about Iraq, uh, what happened there 20 years ago. I warned America the direction we were going in. Look, I'm not a genius. I come from a working class area in Cleveland, Ohio. And I, you know, and I'm, I watch what's going on in Washington and I see these guys are not functioning in the interests of the American people. And so, you know, I'm, uh, again, I'm just a regular guy, but I'm not, uh, uh, you know, you're not going to sell me uh, a, a couple of watches uh, that uh, have been, uh, uh, you know, have been stolen and uh, are worth like 25 cents and tell me they're worth, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm somebody that. Congressman, it's been a it's been a treat talking with you. Uh, I'll let you get to sleep. The next time you're in New York, I know a very good uh, vegetarian restaurant that you would uh, just love. You got to let me take uh, my wife and I take you guys to dinner. That'd be a lot of fun. You're on. Thanks. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Dennis Kucinich, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.